Mm. Hello, everyone. My name is Kiana. I'm in the Boston area, um, and I am a food addict. I am a compulsive overeater. It's my MO, but I am an addict through and through. I have taken off and kept off 130 pounds since 1990 when I first came into this program at uh, 300. I have uh, been in relapse a couple of times. Um, my, my recovery is not a straight line, but I am a very grateful uh, recovering food addict. I know what my issues are, and I work with a sponsor and sponsees and the Big Book Step Study process and an outside therapist and uh, to keep myself on the beam. Um, so I'll give you a little bit of my background. I, uh, like I said, I'm in the Boston area. I can remember my first meal in the United States. I came to the U.S. when I was three, and I had a very traditional Italian meal. My sister and I were seated at the kitty table, and she tasted hers and said, yuck, no. And I did not like mine either, but I ate mine and hers. Uh, very, very food-centered family, a very Italian family. And for people that come from some of those cultures, you know food is love. Um, my best friend, until um, I found this program and I was made aware of the negative aspects of food in my life. Uh, I was 300 pounds and I was a, a, a secret eater. People always said to me, geez, I don't know why you weigh so much. You, you, you eat like a bird, which um, I heard all my life but I was a secret eater. I would eat at home. I would eat alone. I would hide food. I would steal food. Um, I was hospitalized once, and I found where the secretaries in the unit would uh, stash their treats, and I raided them at night. There was no sacred place that people could put food that I couldn't find to feed my addiction. Um, I've also given up other uh, substances, mood-altering substances, before I gave up the food. Um, I've been sober since 1988 as well. Um, this is an insidious, insidious disease. We have to eat. Um, we don't have to pick up other uh, substances or, or liquid drugs, whatever, but we do have to eat, which makes it a very difficult, uh, difficult thing to do. Um, Abstinence is key, has been for me. Um, like I said, I have not always, I've not been in, uh, abstinent since day one, but um, working with a sponsor who I have learned to be honest with about what's happening in my life and what I'm eating and how and how often I'm going places. I live alone, and so my food is normally just mine. There's nothing in my house that I cannot eat. But um, I have family, and when I babysit my grandsons who are uh, 14 and 16 for the weekend, I have really got to uh, make phone calls. I've got to pay attention to my literature, my writing, my meditation, because they're not food addicts, and there's stuff in that house that if I ate would set me off. Um, I suffer from that peculiar mental twist that's described in the big book. I can tell myself that it's going to be okay. It's only a little, and that's, for me, the road to my relapses have been, well, it's okay. 
been out, I've done this, I've done that uh, with food that's not exactly on my food plan, but if it's not flour and not sugar, then I can convince myself that it's okay to either overeat or eat off someone else's plate or share food, which is uh, they're no-nos for me. I have to keep it clean and unsexy. Um, so I have three grown children and I have five grandchildren. And um, by trade, I just retired and I had sit-down jobs. And I've recently, since I recently retired, I've joined the local YMCA and I've been exercising. And um, my uh, my compulsive nature has expressed itself there too. Um, I had cancer a few years ago and had some surgeries and I've been in a little bit of pain lately and I don't like to ask for help or admit things aren't going well. And when I went to the doctor today, she said, uh, yeah, that's all scar tissue. What are you doing? And I described my exercise routine and she laughed at me and she said, slow it down. You don't have to do everything every time. And it's just an example of how pervasive my um, mindset is. Um, when I was growing up, um, my father died when I was very young, and my mother didn't speak English. We were immigrants from Argentina, uh, and, but everybody we lived with, because it was an Italian community, uh, we were very comfortable in this very uh, close community community. Um, and my mother never really had to do anything for herself once my father died. We all pitched in and, and became responsible for her and uh, lived my life where I could just control everything. I could just do everything. Um, now we hear it like women can be empowered, but it, was, uh, uh, it set me off on the inability to ask for help. You know, I can do it. I just have to try hard enough. And I had to get over that in this program. Um, we call it a fellowship and a 12-step program. We don't call it a diet, and we are aware of our isolation. And because I live alone, I make it a point to have, to have my fellowship that I'm in touch with because I need to know that there are other people out there like me. I'm not unique. Uh, not my, my closest friend in program when I was married and living uh, in Boston, um, she lived right right close to me and her top weight was 128 pounds mine was 300 and yet we had the same mental twist the same sort of approach to life and uh it, it helps me to be in touch with her as much as it helps me to remind myself that 300 pounds is just a bite away um the fellowship is is critical uh step one admitting that i was powerless over food until i could do that i was i was and it took me a while to realize that a 3,500-calorie snack every night, I used to have concoctions that I would build, um, was contributing to my weight gain. I did not exactly connect the food to my body. Um, it was easier to be in denial. Um, and step two, when I was around program long enough, uh, it took me a while to accept a higher power. First, the group was a higher power. And then eventually my sponsor was my higher power. And then because I started to do uh, close studies of the 12 steps, which is I was told where the recovery and the healing was, until I could do that, um, I couldn't find my higher power. 
this this thing in me was uh, that I could do everything, and I had to smash that belief. And uh, so that uh, accepting that there was a power greater than me who could, you know, I laugh at restoring me to sanity. I have never been sane, but uh, I, I, I knew that there was somewhere I could get to that I saw other people getting to, a sort of peace and contentment around the food especially. Um, so I, um, I, I was really um, introduced to my higher power working step two. And step three was just a commitment um, and I did the, the, the big book step study process. And step three was a very serious step for me to take when it came to my recovery. I had to um, make a commitment to my sponsor, to myself, to my higher power, and to the other people in my fellowship that I was actually committed to doing the work. And I did the work. I did step four. It took me a year to write. I did step five. Um, steps six and seven, I do every day. I look at my, um, I look at my, I, they use the word character defects, but my personality has been set since I'm 72 years old. So my personality has been set for a long time. And uh, I know myself in a lot of ways. So um, for example, uh, today, uh, I have uh, one of my grandchildren plays uh, junior varsity soccer. And it's a sport I used to coach. I absolutely love this sport. And I go to all his games. So his games are in another town, and it takes me an hour to get there. Today I had an oncology visit, and then I had my lunch with me, and I knew the game was at 2.30, and I had to drive through Boston. And so I had this huge plan. I get to the field with a book, plenty of time. It's about 10 past 1. Game's at 2.30, but I'm also responsible uh, because – I, I, I wasn't given the task, but I always bring those um, uh, electrolyte drinks for the whole team. That's my contribution to, uh, to the team. But anyway, so I get there, and it's 10 minutes past 1, and I'm going to take a walk. It's a beautiful day. The field is at Northeastern University, so there's all kinds of people. and Oh, it's awesome. I get there, and I get a text from Harvey, my grandson. Uh, Nana, the game's at 4.30. Okay, so the game's at 4.30, it's now 10 past one. <laughs> so I'm like, what do I do? I, so I perseverate. Like I sat there and I had plenty to keep me company, plenty to occupy me, but did I want to spend the whole day sitting at a field or whatever? So uh, I sent him back a text and I said, well, I'm going home. I have to speak tonight, um, knowing that I'd certainly be home by, it's nine o'clock here in Boston. But uh, my brain just went into overdrive. Like I had to make the plan. I had to adjust the plan. And, and, and it was ridiculous. I was so living in the future, not in the moment. And the moment was a beautiful sunny day. And I had plenty of time in a parking space, which in Boston is a big deal. And uh, I stayed for the game. And he was very happy to see me. A 14-year-old child, when he sees me, always gives me a big hug, even in front of his team. I feel like my showing up, my being able to adjust my expectations, not get into a super resentment, just figuring it out, uh, turning it over, did a little meditation in the sun. Um, it works. This program works. It keeps me from becoming crazy, crazy, and then giving up 
the joy of my life in favor of the easy. It would have been easy to get back in the car and go home, even though, you know, it was, there was no reason not to. But that kind of mental process that I go through, I, I really, I found a bench, I sat in the sun and said, yeah, you can do this. What else are you going to do? And that's the kind of thing that step six and seven, I look at what is going on here? What's the fear? What are you banking on here? And uh, I, I, I can work through it. Um, having done steps eight and nine as well, uh, it's really hard to humble your humble yourself and to pocket your pride and admit to someone that you did them wrong. And I have an ex-husband, and he was the first amend I did. Uh, and it went badly, I have to admit. But we just keep going. We just keep going. You, you make an amends. We're very, very good friends now. We share grandchildren. My life has been healed in that aspect. And I do 10, 11, and 12 every day, every night. I think about what my day was like. Where do I need to make an adjustment in my attitude with a specific person or an event, what's coming up? Um, all of the all of the steps that give us the healing path is what I stay for. Um, I have a committed meeting that we go through the steps and cycles. So we're right now, I think we're at step five. So as soon as we get through the step 12, Part two, we start again with uh, the doctor's opinion, and we keep cycling because this program is not once and done. It's a daily, uh, it's a, it's a daily way of thinking and way of, um, way of adjusting. Um, there are so many. I mean, I used to have a mug which um, I no longer have, but it said on it, "Progress, not perfection." And I love that mug because it reminded me that it's always steps forward, steps forward. And having relapsed a couple of times and gotten back because this program is always open arms to anyone, no matter how many times you fall, we have open arms for each other, um, coming back, coming back. And so this, the cycles that I sit through and the fellowship that I maintain, my family, just being able to show up for Harvey is just that, that – at the end of the day, as I was driving home, I was thinking about that. I was thinking how I can show up for my life because my program is keeping me in the moment, my feet in the same place as my head. And that hasn't always been the case. It's been either living in the past and regrets and my mother and the abuse and, you know, all of the stuff in the past or thinking about the future, worrying about the future. Instead, it's keeping the present this gift of this one day, first and foremost. Um, um, but uh, anyway, I, uh, I think my time might almost be up here. Um, uh, I was just about to give you your five-minute warning, so you have five more minutes. Okay. Five more minutes. Okay. So I'll just wrap up by, um, by saying what my program looks like. I've, I go through the steps all the time. I've gone through that. I eat three weighed and measured meals a day. I eat no flour, no sugar. I commit my food by writing it down, and I have a whiteboard uh, on a magnet in my refrigerator, on my refrigerator, not in it, on it, so that I, I make sure that I have in my face what it is I've committed to eating. Um, I have three committed meetings a week. I do service when asked. I do service for my committed meetings. I book, um, I schedule speakers. I speak when asked, if at all possible. I take 
uh, women through the steps. I sponsor several women. Um, so I have three people I work with, and I have boundaries, which is a really new thing for me, but I have boundaries. My sponsor and I work on what can I handle, what can I not handle. And so I have two daily sponsees and two big book sponsees, uh, one of whom has disappeared recently. So uh, um, program is, uh, I don't take it personally. I've taken a lot more third steps than I have heard fifth steps. So keeping my expectations uh, in, under control because uh, my sponsor always says expectations are planned resentments, and I can do that quite quite easily. Um, so thank you for asking me to share my experience. Um, the uh, This meeting does a service for those of us who have 100 pounds on us or have lost it or know where it is. Um, and it, it is a, a very different, to me, it's a very different animal. I sponsor women who have uh, that particular amount of weight to lose because I know how to do that. I don't know how to do the the restricting in terms of anorexia bulimia. Um, so I stay within my wheelhouse. I'm qualified to do that. And that's what I do. So that's my program. And thank you so, so very much for asking me to speak. Um, I appreciate it. Uh, this service keeps me sober and abstinent. And thank you. My um, my name is Tiana. And my phone number, I, I will give it for, for people who want it, 617-504-2660. And I, I do not return calls almost immediately. It takes me some time. So uh, if you haven't heard back from me, it's not because I don't want to. It's because I'm slow. I'll just admit that. So thank you again. And I'll pass.